It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, June 28, 2021. Thanks for starting off your week with us. I'm Kelly Reese and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. Tonight on the California Report, lawmakers vote today on the $263 billion state budget. Then, a closer look at the state's new renters' relief protections. Finally, Executive Director of the League of California Cities explains how both large and small cities will spend $8 billion in federal relief funds. And in national native news, two Catholic churches have burned down on reservations in British Columbia, and a 5,000-pound totem pole is currently on a journey to the U.S. Capitol. We'll take a brief look at regional headlines and weather before an interview with OES Program Manager Paul Cummings. We close tonight with Sid Brown's A Walk in the Park. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. California lawmakers will vote today on the nuts and bolts of a nearly $263 billion state budget. With more, here's KQED's Katie Orr. The legislature had previously approved essentially a placeholder budget to meet their June 15th constitutional deadline while continuing to negotiate with Governor Gavin Newsom. The final deal contains several big-ticket items, including expanding Medi-Cal to eligible undocumented adults 50 and over. A record $25 billion will be put into the state's reserves. In addition, more than $8 billion will go toward direct cash payments for income-eligible Californians as part of a COVID relief package. California's new fiscal year begins July 1st. For the California Report, I'm Katie Orr in Sacramento. And the state legislature is also expected to vote today to extend California's eviction moratorium until the end of September. KQED's Molly Solomon reports. The vote comes just days before California's eviction protections are set to expire. The new plan also includes an increase in the amount of money the state would pay to clear rent owed to landlords. Instead of the current 80 percent, the state is proposing to pay all of the missed rent. An estimated 750,000 California renters are behind on payments. Governor Gavin Newsom announced the deal on Friday. The state of California has now agreed with the legislature to the largest and most comprehensive renter protection deal in the United States. This buys the state more time to distribute rent relief, which has been slow to go out. So far, California says it's paid out less than 10 percent of money applied for. San Francisco lawmaker David Chu chairs the Assembly Housing Committee. He says the application process has gotten easier and he hopes more renters will apply. What it means is they have a little bit more time to apply immediately for the billions of dollars of financial assistance that's available to them. The delay has been frustrating for landlords, too, says Tom Bannon, president of the California Apartment Association. Many have now gone over a year without getting rent payments, but their bills have still come due. Still having to pay the mortgage, still having to pay the insurance, still having to pay maintenance costs, still having to pay taxes. And some of them are having a very, very difficult time hanging on. Between now and the end of September, tenant advocate Brian Augusta says California needs to move faster to get the money to those who need it. Otherwise, we're going to be back having the same conversation about extending these protections further in order to make sure that we don't have a wave of evictions while we've got money sitting in the bank that could help avert a disaster. An eviction disaster that could make the state's homeless crisis even worse than it is today. For the California Report, I'm Molly Solomon. 
And lawmakers in Sacramento are also expected to vote on changes to California's recall laws today. The proposal would allow lawmakers to alter the recall timeline and speed up the process. Most view it as a way for Democrats to take advantage of what they see as more favorable numbers for Gavin Newsom, who's facing a recall election. But critics have called this another move by politicians to do whatever they can to stay in power. Support for the California Report comes from Blue Shield of California, rebuilding the future of health care with every Californian in mind, from quality and equitable care to not-for-profit values. Learn more at news.blueshieldca.com. Water heaters only. Specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured. Open 24 hours a day every day. Learn more at waterheatersonly.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. California cities are getting about $8 billion in federal funds as part of the Biden administration's American Rescue Plan, or ARPA. The money is supposed to help municipalities recover from the pandemic. And because of population size, the amounts they'll receive vary wildly. L.A. is getting more than a billion dollars and San Francisco more than $450 million. But far smaller municipalities are getting money, too, like the tiny town of Trinidad, population 350, which will receive $8 I talked about how cities, large and small, will spend the money with Carolyn Coleman. She's the executive director for the League of California Cities. Those resources will come in to help stabilize local government operations, to help in many instances our local governments continue to support the operations of their small businesses. A number of our communities had uh, rental assistance pools that they helped put together. A number of them had food delivery programs. Um, Many of them were experiencing overtime pay with some of their public safety resources um, in terms of helping to keep their community safe. But there are also housing and infrastructure and broadband resources in ARPA that not only help cities recover, but also position them for a strong recovery going forward. Do you think there are anything cities might want to spend this money on that might be a bad idea, maybe because they have little to do with the pandemic or economic recovery? You know, these these dollars do not come without strings attached. So there there are guardrails in the guidance that's been issued by Treasury of what these these funds cannot be used for. For example, you cannot use these funds to offset pension liability. There are caps in terms of how much of these resources can be used to offset um, a revenue shortfall. So there are legitimate guardrails. And what about the argument that economically speaking, things are looking up, the state of California's coffers are full because of windfall tax revenues during the pandemic, and maybe cities just don't need this kind of help anymore. What do you say? See, there's no question that that cities need this level of support. I know much is made of the state surplus, much is made of the fact that um, the state will also receive um, some resources from the, the American Rescue Plan. But frankly, the state is funded in a very different way than um, our cities are funded. Our cities are funded primarily by sales taxes. So we cannot compare and, and assume that because the state 
has such a, a rosy revenue outlook that that is true for our cities because that in fact is is not the case. Cities have um, a very different recovery trajectory, and we also will continue to look to the state to share some of its surplus. Uh, with our cities to ensure that recovery is robust and even and in all sectors of our of our communities. All right. Carolyn Coleman, executive director of the League of California Cities. Thanks so much. So always a pleasure. And that is the California Report for Monday, June 28th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening and have a great day. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Two Catholic churches on reserves in British Columbia, Canada, have burned to the ground. As Dan Karpinchuk reports, the fires come in the wake of the discovery of remains and unmarked graves on sites of former residential schools. Two churches went up in flames on the Similkameen Reserve in British Columbia. The St. Anne's Church, built in 1910, and the Chapaca Church, built in 1897, burned within an hour of each other. A week ago, two other churches, one on the Asoyus Reserve, the other on the Penticton Indian Band Reserve, were also burned down. The chief of the Lower Similkameen Indian Band says there are still Christian and Catholic followers in his community, and the impact of the fires has been devastating. And Chief Sandra Laren of the Gitwangak First Nation spoke out against the incident. We don't tolerate arson. We don't tolerate criminal activity. Whether or not we believe in formalized religion or we believe in the creator or we believe in both, this isn't the way. Uh, begetting violence with violence is just not going to get us anywhere. Police investigating the fires would only say they were suspicious, and officials are not suggesting any connection to the recent grim discoveries at former residential schools. In May, the remains of 215 children were found in unmarked graves near the former Kamloops Indian Residential School, and less than a week ago, 751 unmarked graves were found near a former residential school in Saskatchewan. For National Native News, I'm Dan Karpinchuk. A totem pole is making its way from the Lummi Nation in Washington State to the nation's capital this summer. It's stopping along the journey and was recently in Lawrence, Kansas at Haskell Indian Nations University. Rhonda Lovaldo has more. The House of Tears carvers haul a 5,000-pound totem pole made from a 400-year-old cedar tree to raise awareness of many issues Native Americans face. Freddie Lane of the Lummi Nation says that includes boarding schools like where they visited at Haskell. I'm sure there are sacred sites and sacred mounds and burial sites around here. The message of murdered and missing indigenous women, the Indian in the moon, every stop is different. The totem isn't sacred. What's sacred is the gathering of the, the, the students, the faculty here. But one other important message is to support Department of Interior Secretary and Laguna Pueblo citizen Deb Holland in addressing these items, says Lummi citizen and master carver of the totem pole, Jewel Prane Wolf James. We know it takes more than one to accomplish great deeds, so we have to stand behind it. James's presentation encouraged students, staff, and faculty to be more involved in Native issues. The group plans to make it to the Capitol at the end of July. This is Rhonda Lovaldo for National Native News. The Anxa Regional Association and the Alaska Native Village Corporation Association welcomed Friday's U.S. Supreme Court decision that Alaska Native Regional and Village Corporations are recognized as tribes under the Indian Self-Determination and Education Assistance Act. 
and are eligible to receive shares of the $8 billion in CARES Act funds set aside for tribes in March 2020. More than a dozen tribes sued, arguing Alaska Native corporations are not federally recognized tribes and are not entitled to the funds. In a statement, the Alaska group said Congress established the corporations to serve the health, education, welfare, and cultural needs of Alaska Natives. And they're pleased to see the court affirm their eligibility for CARES Act funds to help recover from COVID-19. Tribal plaintiffs in the case have expressed disappointment. Hundreds of millions of dollars in CARES Act funds were being held back by the Treasury Department. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. This reminder to get your COVID-19 vaccination provided by the Johns Hopkins Center for American Indian Health, which supports this show. Vaccines are now available for everyone 12 and up. Talk with your provider today about protecting your children and family from COVID-19. This reminder to get your COVID-19 vaccination provided by the Johns Hopkins Center for American Indian Health, which supports this show. Vaccines are now available for everyone 12 and up. Talk with your provider today about protecting your children and family from COVID-19. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Around 1 p.m. this afternoon, a fire near the Nevada County Fairgrounds forced evacuation orders and the closure of a stretch of Highway 20, as reported in the Union. The fire began near Highway 20 and McCourtney Road, threatening homes in the Brighton Street area. Nevada Yuba Placer Cal Fire Emergency Command Center says the blaze appears to be a conglomeration of eight separate small blazes in the fairgrounds area. Personnel are still working to determine the cause of the fire. All evacuations have since been called off. The body of a 25-year-old man was recovered from Lake Berryessa yesterday evening. This marks the second death at the lake in two weeks. The Sacramento Bee reports that the Napa County Sheriff's Office responded to the lake around 4.30 p.m. on Sunday following reports that a man had disappeared while swimming across the lake. Henry Wofford, a spokesperson for the Nevada County Sheriff's Office, said the man was an experienced swimmer, as was the swimmer who had drowned two weeks prior. Effective today, Monday, June 28, the U.S. Forest Service has ordered fire restrictions across the Tahoe National Forest. And now for regional weather. The National Weather Service reports isolated thunderstorms are possible over the Sierra every day this week, mainly in the afternoon and evening hours. Little to no rain is expected, so any lightning could have the potential to cause new fires. In Grass Valley in Nevada City, tonight, clear skies with a low around 66. Tomorrow, Sunny and hot, with a high near 96. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, clear, with a low around 54. Tomorrow, isolated showers and thunderstorms after 2 p.m., with a high near 89. The National Weather Service has issued a fire weather watch for Truckee and Lake Tahoe in effect for tomorrow, June 29th, from 2 p.m. to 11 p.m. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, clear skies, with a low around 63. Tomorrow, sunny and hot, with a high near 100.
Nevada County District 4 Supervisor Sue Hoke will be hosting a town hall meeting tomorrow, Tuesday, June 29th, at the North Columbia Schoolhouse Cultural Center from 5.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. The meeting will cover topics related to public safety and wildfire prevention, among other things. Nevada County OES Program Manager Paul Cummings spoke to KVMR about it this morning. North San Juan, it's it's one of our more remote communities, as many folks know. There's challenges there communicating with telecoms on a good day. And so we know that the conditions of a wildfire or a public safety power shutoff can only exacerbate those communication challenges that we have. So we've heard the residents of North San Juan, you know, last year during the Jones fire, they were threatened, right? Because that fire was down in that Yuba River Canyon and a lot of folks were on the other side of 49 and, and were concerned. And the messaging from the county was not flowing as well as it, it could have or should have. So we're trying to come up with some local solutions to address some of those concerns. And those are some of the things that we want to talk about uh, during the town hall. So we encourage residents to be signed up for Code Red, to tune in to trusted news sources, especially on red flag days. But sometimes, again, because of power outages or other things going on locally, some of the residents of North San Juan aren't able to access those tools to get that information. So we've come up with this idea to set up some message boards, and these are going to be large easel-style message boards that have been created uh, and will be strategically placed around North San Juan. And so what we plan to do is take key information, like during a public safety power shutoff, when is the event going to start? When is it going to end? What's the weather look like? because these events are oftentimes driven by fire weather. So that fire weather is also a threat for residents to know about. Where can they go to get information? Community resource centers. What are the hours? What are the locations? What services are being offered? Who can folks call if they have questions or concerns? So we plan to put all that together. And if there's a fire, another event like a Jones fire type event, we'll be pushing a lot of vetted information that we get from you know, incident command and CAL FIRE, again, to our, our partners that are up in North San Juan. The idea being that they'll then print it. These will be folks like the North San Juan Fire Department and, and some of the other uh, volunteers that are in that community to um, print this off, post it on these big easels and refresh that information every few hours. And what we hope to do is create a new tertiary system of information for local residents. Uh, and they'll start to learn and get into a rhythm of um, going to these common community areas where they can go go see these easel boards and, and get information about what's going on. That was Nevada County OES Program Manager, Paul Cummings. He will be presenting more information at a town hall meeting tomorrow at North Columbia Schoolhouse Cultural Center from 5.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. Next, we take our bi-weekly walk in the park with Sid Brown, who, among other things, reminds us that a no parking sign means you can't park there. Welcome to a walk in the park. Summer's coming. Summer's here. Independence Day weekend is ahead, and boy, our visitors have figured that out. There are lots and lots of people visiting all of the parks now that California is experiencing a reopening at Empire Mine State Historic Park. We have visitors coming in every weekend from all over the globe. It's a wonderful thing to share our local heritage and the history of our state historic parks. The trails are all open from sunrise to sunset, and the historic core of the park is open, and some of the buildings, the museum is open now. The mine model is available um, every day from 
10 till 5 when the park is open. So that's Empire Mine State Historic Park. South Yuba River. I would like to emphasize that as we are now in the high season and summer months, there is limited parking, especially now that the Bridgeport Bridge is being constructed and we've lost the use of one of our parking lots. There is only one large parking lot at Bridgeport, and that is a paid parking lot. There is also some parking outside that parking lot, which is also paid, and it's self-pay registration, and there is a staff in the um, parking lot to accept your payment. There are signs all along Pleasant Valley Road saying no parking, no parking, no parking. And I would like to emphasize for all of our park visitors along the South Yuba River area, when there's no parking, that means the river is full. That means the park is full. We are at capacity. So if you cannot find a legal parking place, please adjust your plans and find another place to go or something to do. We have had already significant difficulties in accessing emergency response because of illegally parked cars. Not only illegally parking by a no parking sign, but parking on dry vegetation, which presents a real significant wildfire hazard. So if you can't find a good place to park, maybe find another place and next time come a little bit earlier. But if you want to spend your time at the river, really strongly urge you to come very early, early, early to enjoy and have a good experience. Also want to emphasize that there are no fires allowed along the river and at in the state parks, except in the campground at Malakoff Diggins State Historic Park. And when we say no open fires, we also mean no grilling. We also mean no barbecues, no charcoal. There's no place to dispose of the briquettes. I would like to really take my hat off to our river ambassadors with Circle that are co-volunteering with South Yuba River Citizens League and with state parks as they have been engaging with the public at Bridgeport and Highway 49 over the last few weekends and will continue on into the summer and extending their time from 10 to 2 on Fridays and Monday holidays. The weather, as you may have noticed, is pretty darn hot. And the conditions right now are mimicking late summer, August or early September. So who knows what it's going to be like later in the year. But the weather's hot, the river's warm, the waters are low. But the waters also, when they are low, can introduce some hazards. So again, we emphasize, please, no jumping off of rocks especially with shallow waters. We don't want to have injuries. We don't want to have to put anybody at risk with an injury or a rescue. And then one final thing is I'd like to recognize the value that our state park system and our local state parks provide to our local community. I just read some statistics about the multiplying factor of when visitors come from out of the area and they spend a little bit of money, maybe pick up some groceries or gas, or sometimes people spend the night at a hotel. But a conservative estimate would be that those three parks probably are contributing something on the order of almost $13 million a year to the local economy. So those parks are a draw. They are 
valuable, and it is up to us, the users and the residents and the people of California, to appreciate and maintain and protect and conserve our park system. That's not only the the waters, but the animals, the habitat, the ecosystems, as well as the cultural and historic resources. In future broadcasts, we'll talk about the difference between a historic park and a state park and what that means for both management and for the resources. Please enjoy your state parks, enjoy nature, be safe. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you next time. Sid Brown sits on the board of the Sierra Gold Parks Foundation, a nonprofit organization that supports park-related educational activities and helps to preserve the natural and cultural resources of Western Nevada County State Parks. You can find out more at sierragoldparksfoundation.org. Listen to the entire segment on our website, kvmr.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's our newscast for tonight, Monday, June 28, 2021. We get support from Green Acres Nursery and Supply, local family-owned garden center with seven locations in the greater Sacramento area, including Auburn, offering products for every outdoor space from plants to pottery, also irrigation supplies, online at idiggreenacres.com. Stick around. Coming up next at 6.30, WINGS, the Women's International News Gathering Service. Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. Thanks for listening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off.